Welcome into Tailgate. Asa Gale here with Mike Renner in sunny Cincinnati, ready to rip it up on this bonus mailbag edition. How do you get on the mailbag? How do you get your question on the mailbag? Go to Apple Podcasts, leave a review, five stars, rate, review, and subscribe, and we will get to it. And I'm committing five stars, though. Let's it doesn't, it doesn't it have, be honest. If you want to, if you want to give us four, get, give us less by all means. It's fine. We'll be upset about it, sure. Yeah. But if you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast, leave your question in that review. Thursday, March 24th through day one of the draft, we are answering every single question. Every single question. So your question will be on the show. We might have to do two, two mailbags a week. We were doing that a lot last year, but we are going to commit to it. I'm excited to do it. Uh, we do it for the listeners. We do it for you master gators. So let's get into this after it's Christmas morning. It's Christmas morning uh, on tailgate slash if you've been listening for a long time, two for one drafts calendar year. Maurice Jones Drew drops his mock draft. Mm. The infamous, the infamous Maurice Jones Drew. I've never met Mojo. He was at Prime in Indianapolis at one point. I almost went up to him and talked to him, but I didn't. He's an NFL.com analyst. And every year, this is his first mock draft, 1.0 for Maurice Jones Drew. He drops some wild takes. Wild takes. And I love it. It's great for content. You know, I applaud his efforts. Starting with number one overall. He has Trayvon Walker going number one overall to the Jacksonville Jaguars. So much that the DraftKings moved Trayvon Walker's odds to go number one overall from like plus 3,500 to plus 600 this morning. Aiden Hutchinson yesterday was minus 400. Now he's minus 300 to go first overall. He's moving books. Mojo is moving books. Trayvon Walker, the Georgia Edge defender, going number one overall in Maurice Jones-Drew's mock. Um... My favorite part of this is sometimes the write-ups that he has for these, and I'm not sure, I, I can't speak to whether he even does these write-ups or not, having talked with former uh, editor here at PFF, Jeff Dooley, who used to write mocks for some of the ESPN guys. It wasn't always the ESPN guys even saying any of the stuff that was actually on there. I'll just say that. So I'd be so scared to do that. Like have people ghostwrite for ghost you? Write. It's like that's like your brand. Like he's writing like now. Like okay. but it's like I would also if I'm at that level, do I care? Probably not. Maybe not. I mean, do, so yeah. But my favorite part of the writer for Trayvon Walker is he says Walker is coming off a great scouting, great combine performance that has the scouting community buzzing. According to my colleague Bucky Brooks, he can't even he can't even be bothered to look up his combine numbers to see if they're actually good well he, he doesn't know bucky that bucks, the scouting bucks, community you know. is buzzing okay maybe that's what it is that's, that's what it good. is he doesn't right, know you, i think bucky you brooks is saying the scouting community when a guy is has buzzing. an all-time combine the scouting community may have some buzz over well, that fella it's buzzing it's buzzing some of the picks after that are pretty chalky i don't want to like highlight every single yeah, pick yeah. in his mock draft he does have- I, I mean his mocks we talk about them because they're outlandish yeah and now from talent, he's he's obviously putting his massive talent evaluation spin on this, or maybe not even just talent evaluation, people he knows <laughs> spin on this. Like, like his opinion had, of the players for whatever yes, reason. For whatever reason. There, that's a better way to say it. His opinion of the players, he puts a massive spin on it. So this, and he calls it a forecasting, saying what he thinks teams will do. And that's why we talk about it because th- these are never like, this is not what the teams are actually going to do, as we've seen from his box in the past. Now, who did he? What was the previous one? He had the run, he had Javon Holland going like top. Yeah, Javon Holland going top ten. Um, Who's an Oakland guy, which I respect. He had a, last year. He had Najee Harris like number six. Or yeah, something. he had um, and he had four running backs in the first round. That's yeah, incredible. He does have a running back going in this first round. He also has Kenny Pickett going six to the Carolina Panthers. Malik Willis going nine to the Seattle Seahawks, which would be impressive for Seattle if Malik Willis does fall that far. He has Icky Kwanu falling all the way to eleven, which I think. 
when him with him trying to like fit quarterbacks inside the top ten, he also had Jermaine Johnson going inside the top ten. Obviously, someone has to fall, but I don't. I, that would be insane if Ikea Kwanu falls that far after being right now. He's the favorite to be the first offensive tackle off the board, according to DraftKings Sportsbook. Some other chalky picks after that. I did find it funny that the Houston Texans with Andrew Booth Jr., the Clemson cornerback, for the reasons that are the Texans continue to add to Lovey Smith's defense with a cornerback boasting good ball skills to play opposite of newly added Desmond King. Desmond King played for the Texans last year and plays in the slot. So I don't know. It, it, it's interesting. It's interesting. The, the, the information is interesting. He does have the Baltimore Ravens grabbing Garrett Wilson, which I don't know if Garrett Wilson falls that far, but I kind of like that fit. I'm, I'm, I'm big on Mojo on that fit. Let's get Garrett Wilson to Baltimore. After that, again, a lot of chalk. Jordan Davis to the Chargers. Um, I, li- I like his new, you know, Charles Cross, the offensive tackle from Mississippi State, going to the Saints at 18. I think that's more and more likely now that Teron Armstead's obviously a Miami Dolphin. Um, though he does have Brees Hall, running back from Iowa State, going 25 to the Buffalo Bills. I would not like to see that for the Buffalo Bills, but there has been some smoke that there could be a running back at the back end of the first round. That is one of the spots where it could make sense. Then the back end of the draft is where he gets he gets savvy. Kansas City Chiefs go Christian Watson, the North Dakota State wide receiver that I think a lot of people are seeing as this top 50 player now after what was an absurd combine. But 29 of the Kansas City Chiefs, that's a bit rich. Obviously hinting at that Tyreek Hill is now in South Beach and bringing in some speed. Christian Watson obviously has that 4-3-6, 40-yard dash at the combine. Roger McCreary going in the first round, which I had not seen in months ever since really the arm length came out and he is not even a top 50 player on NFL.com's big board, Daniel Jeremiah's big board. Then the Bengals get Jamari Salyer, who at this point would be either a swing tackle or playing ahead of Jackson Carmen with all they add along the offensive line. That that feels surprising. I also haven't seen Jamari Salyer, the Georgia offensive tackle, mocked in the first round yet. And then he puts Cali guy at 32 for the Detroit Lions. He's got Carson Strong going to the Detroit Lions at 32. No Desmond Ritter in this first round. No Sam Howell in this first round. Instead, the third quarterback off the board is actually Carson Strong going to the Detroit Lions. A wild mock draft from our guy. Mojo. So Carson Strong is his this year's version of Javon Holland. I, I believe he has a pre-existing relationship with Carson Strong on August 3rd, 2019. So this is before Carson Strong was even, I believe, the starter for Nevada. He tweeted, at Carson Strong, keep working, bro. You are special. So I, like I think it. there may be some... Maybe maybe a little biased in that inclusion of Carson Strong in the first round. I think that one may be a little. I'm not going to go bet Carson Strong under prop right now. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't know, but I mean, he's moving markets with the Trayvon Walker decision. He's moving markets. Maybe he knows something. I don't know. Mojo's more connected than we are. That guy had more people around him at prime than we did. In that's, Indiana. A, that's true. This he is did. true. He did. He did. All right. Off of the Maurice Jones Drew mock. Anything else on the catch and early buzz? I get my tattoo today. I get my chain today. Um, Nothing else really to highlight. I'm going into the weekend. Going into the weekend, not looking to get all that aggressive. I'm trying to chill. I'm trying to work. You know, I feel like last weekend we had first weekend of March Madness, George Shahuri's birthday, who is our boss here at PFF, celebrated pretty hard. But I think I'm going to go into the weekend pretty lax. What do you got planned on the weekend here? I have a golf match on Saturday morning. So you excited for it? I'm excited for that, yeah. Who are you playing with, Brady? No, just a bunch of people in my club. All right. Off the catch and only buzz and into the questions before i do this podcast is sponsored by manscaped i'm not asking for a round of applause i'm not i'm not asking for a round of applause but i am excited to announce manscaped to launch their ultra premium collection believe it or not it's for your not so private parts i'm talking about a leveled up hygiene routine with your favorite manly scent this is an all-in-one skin and hair kit for the everyday man and covers you from head to toe literally Manscaped is trusted below the waist. Now trust them with the rest. Join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code PFF. Hop in the shower and scrub a dub dub that body wash, that body with the Manscaped body wash. Someone did comment on the YouTube saying if someone, if 
Steve or Austin Gale, Steve Palazzolo or Austin Gale, tell me to scrub a dub dub in the shower again. I'm going to kill myself. So don't do that, but do dub that scrub. Lather up your hair with the two-in-one shampoo and conditioner to keep your noggin what? Noggin. Dry off your dry off and spray on the hydrating body moisturizer to reinvigorate dry skin. I'm going to pause there. Dry off and spray on the hydrating body moisturizer. What is that? Is that like a lotion? Spray on though. Body moisturizer. I don't know. Couldn't tell you. I don't okay, get it. in there. Put on the Manscaped deodorant for obvious reasons. I don't put on. I don't. I don't use moisturizer actually, or do I don't have like skin carotene. I don't wash my. I don't like. I don't believe in putting. Things don't say you don't her. believe in it. You just don't. You're just lazy. No, I mean, like my face. If I put shit on my face, I get acne. And I don't like it. So is there? I, this is a good conversation, actually. I just use water. Is there? I think your face can maybe grow a dependency on being clean. I don't know. Maybe I'm on with you. Where like if you're like consistently cleaning it, if you don't, if you stop, yeah. it can get kind of fucked. Yeah. The, you're like the pH you, you also don't like wash your hair every day, right? No. Yeah. I don't believe in shampoo either. <laughs> We need to get. You don't believe in nail clippers. You don't believe in shampoo. You don't believe in washing your face. What do you believe in? What do you use I in use, the shower? I use body wash on my body. I will that's do it. that. That's it. Feet? Do you wash your feet? Yeah. Okay. I mean my body, but then that's it. And I put on deodorant. How often do you shampoo? Never. Never. Wait. So your hair is like that, and it's not shampooed? No, not shampooed. Wow, that's crazy. If your I didn't, adjusts, sh- it just like- yeah, it does. But I, I, but that's what I'm saying. If I don't shampoo yeah. for like a day, my hair gets greasy as fuck. Yeah. But like, I bet if I stopped shampooing for a while, for a while, then it, it would just, adjust. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's what your face is done with. There's, you're literally just smearing mud on it every night. <laughs> um, but I mean, like, if I sweat, I take a shower immediately. I know if like I'm dirty, I'm not going days without it. But interesting. I don't believe in with some of the stories that you have or on the weekends. Wash. The fact that you don't wash your face is kind of insane. Um, <laughs> all right, back I to brush the man. My teeth. Pop the man. <laughs> <laughs> Pop that Manscaped lip balm on. Do you do lip balm? You use chapstick. Yeah. You also chew gum, right? You brush your teeth, don't you? I brush my okay, teeth. Okay, okay. Getting, getting, getting dressed after is optional. Wear one great scent all day long. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code PFF at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code PFF at manscaped.com. The power of traction is now in a bottle. What is next for Manscaped? Because they're obviously trying to cover you from head to toe. Okay. Toothpaste is probably... Uh, they probably get into the deodorant game. Oh, is yeah. That, Why like, don't they the, have the a deodorant? obvious next They have break, body spray. Like a stick mm-hmm. it's probably you're gonna see manscaped sticks here soon enough um they probably already have that there's no way they don't already good. have that good i'm trying to think what else toothpaste probably gonna get into the face care facial hair gel could be full full first question johnson johnson first question on the apple podcast here from vishnu Sarinvas. who are the best players that are the least fun to watch at each position i this love it difficult this was a difficult exercise to go through i'll say i uh Offense was far easier than defense because I feel like by definition, if you're good on defense, you have to be somewhat fun to like. You have to be making plays. Like you have to do something. So I'll start quarterback. I think this one's easy. This one was the easiest one. It's Kirk Cousins, and that one we he literally made the least fun to watch is not fun to watch list in the fall. So that one. Was easy, and I try to keep it to like very good players at their respective positions, yeah. like inside the top. So quarterback, top ten, other positions, top fifteen to twenty. Like I wasn't just gonna add any old guy who starts in the NFL. Running back, I said Jonathan Taylor. This might get some backlash. Oh, it's going to. I, I remember when I, we said Mercedes Lewis wasn't fun to watch, and you don't think <laughs> you don't think Jonathan Taylor is gonna get some backlash when you say he's not fun but, to watch. 
he just has a very no nonsense running style. Is not when he breaks tackles. It's not like it's not like Derrick Henry breaking tackles for a power back where it's like damn like or even AJ Dillon breaking tackles for a power back. Whereas he then doesn't like shake guys a ton. I, I debated him or Nick Chubb. As I'll say, who were the two guys who I was, was thinking of? But Nick Chubb has like a unique gait to him that I think is a little more fun to watch as a runner. But both of them are kind of just they just. Uh, I just go back to the no nonsense running style. It's just very they're and they're very good at. It. They're just they know they're physically dominant. So I like it. I, like it. I think I'm with it now. Okay. Will the people be happy about it? No. Wide receiver, I said Mike Evans. Wide receiver is tough though. Again, like. If you're good, almost by definition, you're fun to watch. But Mike Evans versus Debo Samuel, which of those guys am I really going to watch? Versus Cooper Cup, versus Devontae Adams, versus like the elite receivers in the NFL. Mike Evans just kind of pretty much all the Raiders receivers. Okay. Tight end Zach Ertz. Yeah, that's perfect. That that's one's perfect. That's like, money. He just he wins by pushing off at five yards every time, and it's he's the Jason Witten of our era. It, it, he is. There you go. Into your office line, Zach Martin. Consistent. He's, he's just boring. Grades well. Just boring. Boringly good. And office tackle Rob Havenstein. Probably the least athletic office tackle that's still good in the NFL. Love it. Just gets Former Wisco Badger. Yeah. Quinnen Williams? Okay. So that's what I started to struggle once I went to defensive line. And now I could have just like added some two-gapper. But Quinnen Williams to me is not fun to watch because I saw him in college in Alabama. And that's what I keep expecting. Yeah. And so it's not fun to watch him not be... The guy I thought he was going to be. Still a good player. But Quinn Williams makes it not fun to watch this. Edge defender, I went Javian Clowney. And that might, again, for the same reason of why isn't he better? Yeah. Freak athlete, just like, why isn't he better? I think but, of another edge that might be like good, really good, but not, not necessarily fun. fun. I mean, Cameron Cam Jordan. Cam Jordan was my other option. Cameron Jordan's a good one. He just plays consistent power of football uh linebacker bobby wagner what's the last bobby wagner highlight you remember i don't he's also he also has he not been he hasn't been grading well lately well he didn't grade well last year and he is kind of on the downside um so really doesn't good. miss tackles doesn't like doesn't get out of control it's just solid cornerback aj terrell not a lot of ball production not a lot of picks but was yeah, yeah. No, I think that's a good one. And then safety, Marcus Williams, Saints safety. When he played for the Saints, now he might be more exciting this year. But he was just fucking sitting in single high. It's <laughs> on. That's like what he did for them mostly. Any guy that sits single high safety is going to be a boring watch, or not as much as others. So, I appreciate the question, Vishnu Servas. It's not nearly as fun to answer as the fun to watch. List. Of course. Gator Vishnu, I should say. This next one's from Gator Nick. Thoughts on Golden Domer, Kevin Austin Jr. Kevin Austin is the Notre Dame wide receiver, who I'm obviously well aware of. Caught 48, 48 balls and 82 targets this past year. Had an insane combine at 6'2", 200, 4'4", 340-yard dash, 39-inch vertical jump, over 130 inches on the broad, 6'7", 3-cone, 4'1", short shuttle. It was legit, legit combine from him. Just doesn't have the production. Your thoughts on Kevin Austin Jr.? He reminded me, I mean, going back and watching his tape, it just reminds me a lot of going back and watching Miles Boykins day. Yeah. Where it's like nice guy. I don't see it. I, like I I don't know where that came from. Notre Dame strength condition program. That's where it came from. Go go Irish. But no, it, it's he just doesn't have that 
suddenness on tape whatsoever. And now maybe the thing is he was listed at 215 in Notre Dame, shows up combine 200. Maybe he's a different type of wide receiver after losing that weight. Maybe. Maybe he was always 200 and they pumped him up by listing him at 215. I don't know. I don't have any inside info. I should ask around to get some inside info. But physical at the catch point, but not like physical himself as a route runner. So I think the earliest Almost 33-inch arm, 6'2", 200 with good athletic testing. Know, this guy, right? I don't know. There's a good – I mean, there's a chance he goes on day two. Like if that was if that was any of the top wide receivers that came in, like if Garrett Wilson came in and had his athletic testing instead – we'd be like top 10 pick. You know, showed up at that size with his athletic testing. Yeah. That's what I mean, he if say. he was 6'2", 200 and had this. Yeah, no, yeah. I get you what you're saying. Yeah. You know? So it's weird watching him on tape and just being like not seeing it whatsoever. So I go trust the tape. But also say that like once you get to rounds four or five, you're scraping the bottom of the barrel a lot of positions anyway. So he's worth a shot at that point. Thank you, Gator Nick. This is from Master Gator Jaeger. Is the Broncos defense overrated? Also, Austin needs the DK dangling earrings. Would go hard. I am not getting an earring. I refuse. I, I've, we've made the jokes about the accessories and stuff. Not getting an earring. Oh, my gosh. Mike puts it up on the YouTube. Quint puts it up on the YouTube. Oh, All right. The dangly cross earring. I'm not committing to it That's yet. No. But I might do it for charity if we, raise, if we raise a certain amount. I don't know what the amount would be. I would get my ear pierced and wear it on a handful of shows. DK's got a really – that's like a 90s vibe yeah. to it. I feel like that was a big look in the 90s. The dangly. He also crosses. has the crosses like on his teeth. Dude loves Jesus. Yeah, Can't that's obvious. Him. That's obvious. Big Jesus fan. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Dude loves Jesus. <laughs> Broncos defense, though. Yeah, they're probably touch over it. I, I would expect them to take a step back losing Vic Fangio. You're just not going to be able to replace that level of coaching. Similarly, how I feel about, you know, like the Vikings defense. Mike Zimmer, Vic Fangio, those guys are still elite, elite defensive minds in space, you know? So. <laughs> You're going to not be the same. But they added also. Like you added Randy Gregory. You, you have Patrick Sertan going to year two. Like there's reason to believe that talent-wise, they've matched if not surpassed what they had last season. So I think that could end up evening out. And then also you have the effect of a good offense and how much that can make you look better defensively when you get teams into predictable situations where they have to pass in the second half instead of it being a lot of tight games on the stretch. So I think you could you could see similar results. But I, but I do agree that I would expect them on a the whole to take a touch of a step back. This is from The Cole. Best and worst case for the Jaguars this season. I think this is Gator Cole. Best and worst case for the Jaguars. Best case, Trevor Lawrence looks good. Doesn't matter. Again, I always say this with rookie, yeah. you know quarterbacks on rookie contracts. You need him to look good. Like he needs to be at least top twenty, if not like you should be banking on like him being like a top fifteen player at his position this upcoming season. Now, did they do everything in their power to do that? No. <laughs> like they, they, I mean, did they add like legitimate upgrades in certain spots? Probably not. I mean, they paid a lot for Christian Kirk. I don't know how much of an upgrade that is. They paid a lot for Zay Jones. I don't know how much of an upgrade that is. Offensive line, they franchise tag Cam Cam Robinson. TBD on yeah. if it's enough to like eliminate excuses for Trevor Lawrence, but you need him to play well. Like mm -hmm. you need him to play well. It doesn't matter, um, you know what games to do. The worst case scenario is Doug Peterson takes a page out of Urban Meyer's book mm -hmm. and is grinding on chicks by week six, and he gets fired, and then Trevor Lawrence is onto his like third office coordinator in like three years, yeah. and the, Christian Kirk gets hurt. You know, say Christian Kirk gets hurt, 
they're, they're down. I was going to say, like, injuries along the offensive line is your worst case scenario. Injuries along the offensive line, you have a bottom three, four offensive line, which is very feasible. You, you really, like, so if they, they sign Brandon Scherf, he gets hurt. Like, that's the guy you're relying on. I, I think they're, that's your worst case scenario. And then Trevor Lawrence looks like the same he did last year. Yeah. Which I don't think is going to be the case. I think best case scenario, coaching staff, night and day difference. Trevor Lawrence, massive step into year two, massed up comfortability, raises everyone around him. I mean, look at just expectations for the Bengals a year ago at this time. We talked about the Jaguars being plus 650. Bengals were plus 2,000 to win the North last year. You know, they did not. It's it's crazy how much a quarterback can change how you feel about a lot of positions on your roster when that guy is playing well. You feel a lot better all of a sudden about your offensive line, about your – Receiving court, and even like your defense, you feel a lot better. I look at Bengals fans and like a lot of positions defensively that maybe they were worried about. That just it looks better when you're playing with leads, or you mm -hmm. feel better about your defense when you're playing with leads. So I think they could see a defensive turnaround, and, and I think that's the side of the ball where they have actually made real change to. I said criticize a lot of their moves offensively, but Darius Williams, Fuller runs a Fotokasi. Those are actual guys who will impact this year's roster, and then. Aiden Hutchinson in the draft, we're expecting, are three guys that are raising the floor of a lot of positions. Andre Sisco stepping into a starting role. Tyson Campbell, year two, after how he played as well as he did down the stretch year one. I think there's a lot of reason to be excited about a defense turnaround as well as an offense turnaround to where, I, I mean, I think a good year for the Jaguars this year looks something like 8-9, eight, 9-8. Nine, nine, eight. I can get behind that. I can get behind that. Now, I, I, I'm hoping for Trevor Lawrence's sake, and honestly, the NFL's sake, that the supporting cast works and we see like a really good Trevor yeah. Lawrence next year, but can't can't rule out these worst case scenarios. Avid Master Gator on Apple Podcasts has asked, I'm worried about the Bengals' new offensive line will take time. Are you worried about their chemistry? Yes, you have to be. You know, Eric Eager has done a ton of analysis on chemistry along the offensive line and what that you know what that can do. It's very difficult for an offensive line with four or five new starters to gel right out of the gate. And you see limited success. I mean, the Kansas City Chiefs are a walking example of that last mm -hmm. year. You had to move a lot of guys around. It wasn't like really good out of the gate, even though they made obvious upgrades. I think it's not solved, right? The Bengals offensive line isn't solved. Is it improved? Absolutely. But it's not solved. So I think it's it's important that they have this opportunity to gel, right? And that, you know, you're probably not going to see like the success you're signing them to be <clears throat> probably until like week six, week eight. Yeah, I think I what I'd be just a touch more worried about than the gelling is mm. that you kind of and the gelling part, I mean, look what they're tossing out down the stretch. They're tossing out backups. They were subbing mid-game at right guard. They were doing rotations like Hakeem Adeniji and Isaiah and, Prince on yeah. the right side. And, and Adeniji was getting, it was swapping out series with Carmen at games during true, the end of the year. True. So like the, the chemistry, the chemistry is going to be better than that, you know. And, and these are also veterans, guys who are you know, year five plus where you worry about chemistry with guys in year one, year two guys who haven't played a ton of football. These guys have all played a lot of football at this point to where they've been around the block. They can probably establish rapport a lot faster than, like I said, guys who are coming in as rookie deals that if you had a lot of rookies, like the dolphins, if you have a lot of guys who are year one, year two, year three, trying to mesh together, I'd be a lot more worried about that. So I'm not too worried about that. Oh, what I said was the point I was worried about was that you have some 
somewhat unathletic lineman in Alex Kappa and Ted Karras. I'd even maybe throw Jax Carmen in that mix at left guard. Trying to run this outside zone scheme that they run so heavily there in Cincinnati that Karras wasn't running a ton of in New England. Kappa wasn't running a ton of them in Tampa Bay. I wonder if they look like a new look in terms of the, the sort of concepts they're leaning on in 2022. From Ajax1624, Austin, are you more excited for the Car Adams connection or Crosby Chandler Jones? It has to be Car Adams, obviously. Car Adams is going to be sick. We're going to get yeah. 1,800 yards receiving for Adams. Probably MVP candidate, Derek Carr. I think in AFC championships, probably the floor is where I lean. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be a top three scoring offense in the NFL. That's that's kind of the, like, the, like the, the low end expectations I have for them next year. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. I, and I will say this about Chandler Jones. He's 32 years old. I think he has a game that's going to age like fine wine. Like mm-hmm. I, I don't think you're worried about this guy. He came out. He had a four eight seven forty when he came out. He's never relied on speed. He's never been that guy. So he loses a step. He's like, so the fuck what? Yeah. So like, so bat your hands away. <laughs> I, I I do think that that pairing is going to be sick. I think it's going to be better than Unique and Gakwe and Max Crosby. Honestly, I think Chandler Jones is a better pass rusher than Unique and Gakwe. This is from Baby JAJ. What prospect are you most conflicted about? There's two uh, that I'll say I'm probably tied for most conflicted about. One's Jermaine Johnson, the Florida State edge rusher. He just, he has, he can do everything. He just doesn't do, come close to doing everything consistently. And he's on the older side at, I believe he's going to be 23 as a rookie. He's a fifth-year guy. But then he goes to Senior Bowl and like, he doesn't lose a lot of he doesn't lose a lot of reps, but then he also doesn't win dominantly a ton. I, I just I'm very conflicted about it, and that's for a lot of the reasons I just said. Like just based off a of tape, like in terms of like snap snap dominance, he's not close to a top ten pick in my eyes. But what he did at Senior Bowl will look like a top ten pick, and then I don't know. It's just a difficult a lot of factors to square there. So I'm conflicted about him. Garrett Wilson, then, the Ohio State wide receiver, is the other one because, man, he's small. Like, he's six foot 183 is not prototype size by any means. But the talent is off the charts. Like, just pure receiving talent. He's the most talented guy in this class. I stand by that. But then when guys get his hands on him, it's the, typically the type I don't go for is the guy who's struggling defenders get their hands on him, and that's Garrett Wilson. Like, at line of scrimmage, along his routes, if he's – got a guy in his hip pocket he's not near the same and does not win with physicality whatsoever but damn like what he could be in two or three years i still believe in but i go back and forth watch his tape just being like talent's there the receiving bill is there but that physicality is just going to show up more at the next level so i I don't know exactly what to do with them i just feel i think it's why drake London wide receiver one. I just feel more comfortable knowing what he'll be at the next level. I thought your answer was going to be maybe Trayvon Walker. Because I think that's one where I'm very conflicted, right? Yeah, I mean, Mojo has him going number one overall. Yeah. I think he's another <clears throat> he's a guy that's being consistently now mocked inside the top six picks. And you know, before the combine, we were even talking about him as like a top 15 player. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not he wasn't even there. So the combine continues to I mean, when you when a guy comes in and tests as well as Trayvon Walker does, immediately 
it vaults him up boards if you didn't you know if your film grade on him or your tape grade on him wasn't super high which is obviously what you leaned on when you mm. first put this projection together and then you find out he's this insane athlete and you have to bump him up right you have to you know you don't find out he's an insane athlete you saw that on tape but he was just raw like he was not productive he was not winning as a pass rusher as other pass rushers in this class have won not even as good as jermaine johnson was not as good as obviously aiden and cave on thibodeau were in yeah. terms of production um so i i do think i'm conflicted there and i think that's something that we have to continue to iron out right like the why diving into why a player's film grade is is not requisite to his combine performance is super important and if that's that could be a combination of things one you just don't know what you're looking at two you know it's there you know why he's not showing up a film could be practice or whatever like that that's super important like you can't just like throw it out the window you can't be like oh my god he's an insane athlete top 10 player like you have to do kind of like do some you know self-reflection or just like further research on why those don't match up so i do think i'm conflicted on trayvon walker tyler fritz on apple Podcasts. why wouldn't you want the commanders to go receiver at 11 your thoughts. I was a Diami believer. I am a Diami believer. Diami Brown, their third round pick from last year. So you have Curtis Samuel, Terry McLaurin, Diami Brown. I'm not saying don't go receiver whatsoever, but it's a, it's a good receiving core, in my opinion. And now, yeah, if you go, I don't know, Terry McLaurin, Jamison Williams, Curtis Samuel, okay, that's that's a lot of speed. That's, that's three, four, three guys on the field at the same time. Sure, I got, I'm not going to argue if they if they do go that route, but it's a very strong class at a number of other positions to where I might just lean elsewhere. But should the board shake out to where you know wide receivers the you got your choice of wide receiver one here in this class? Maybe, maybe I maybe I would pull the trigger. I, I saw someone on Twitter highlighting that Washington was very much in attendance and talking to both Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson mm -hmm. at the Ohio State Pro Day. I wonder if they're I wonder if they do lock into one of those guys, whether it's Olave or Garrett Wilson eleven, if they are available, especially if Drake London is wide receiver one. Um I could see that. I could definitely see that. This is from Mad Maddie two oh two. If Hamilton falls to fourteen, no. There's no way he falls to fourteen. There we need help if if Kyle Hamilton Falls fourteen. The, the world need help. Don't be. The, don't be. There's no way they. He I'm not saying no way. Out. I'm not saying you no did, way. You did say no way. Okay, I'm going to take back what be. I said about no way. I'm taking it back. Kyle Hamilton's prop on DraftKings Sportsbook is six and a half. If you want to bet him going to fourteen and falling that far, you can bet over six and a half at plus one ten. Bet it. Bet it. I'm not. I'm not betting over six and a half. I'm not. I don't think he falls that far. Like I don't understand how he falls past the two Giants teams with two picks. Like I, like, I think 10 is his floor. Has to be. Yeah. Has to be. And if it, he gets past the Jets at 10, that's insane. That's insane. And I think the other thing about Hamilton, what I was going to kind of say to the Ravens question of, yes, take him, even with other safeties on that roster, is that, I mean, he can he could do a lot of different things in your defense. Like, he could be your weak side linebacker if you want. He could be your slot corner if you want. Like, he can play a lot of different roles to where, every, like, no team's going to be like, no, we have none of these teams in the top 10. None of these teams draft before the Ravens are going to be like, we we don't need another safety. We don't need a guy like Kyle Hamilton on our team. Everyone's going to have him on their board rated highly. So when if teams really do go, hey, best player available, that's our mantra. That's what we believe in. Kyle Hamilton's going prior to 14. 
if he falls that far, we'll be talking about that fall similar to how we talked about Derwin James, right? Where, in my opinion, no one can explain how Derwin James fell to 17 in that draft. Yeah, no one can James. explain. I think if Hamilton falls to 14, I think we'll be having similar discourse. This is from Gator Ryan, Gator Ryan trainer. Quezzy seems like an analytical guy, but some of the moves just don't seem like, like it with extending Kirk Cousins, restructuring Adam Thielen, and not filling needs of frenzy. What do you think? I, I, I say it's too early on. To say exactly. And, and now when you have like the Kirk Cousins thing, it, the whole quarterback position there sometimes is not the decision of a GM can be handed down from ownership to say, hey, we are not going to, we're not going to let a guy, Kirk, if we can resign Kirk Cousins, we are going to do so. We're not going like, because that gives you a floor as much as you could shit on Kirk Cousins and Eric Eager, data scientist here at PFF, makes it his life goal to shit on Kirk Cousins as much as possible. But as much as you can, he's still a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. Still gives you a floor of not going, not picking the top five, not picking in the top 10. He gives you some semblance of competency on the offensive side of the ball. So I think it's too early to really say whether he is an analytics guy or not. I will say that I expected more of a cap shedding, realizing that it's not that you're just not a good roster right now to try to play for fewer moves to play for this year and more to play for the future. Like the Adam Thielen restructure, I actually searched a while to try to find. I don't. I assume it was like a bonus push, like a lot of restructures are, but maybe they did actually take down some of his money because he was slated to make 16 million or count 16 million against the cap this year with 12 and a half million dollar salary. So I couldn't actually find details on that. If it was just taking down his actual money instead of so that they didn't have to cut him, then that's good. That's a good thing. But if it was just a bonus push into the future to make his cap, it's bigger in the future. I, I think that's, those are not moves I would have made. And for this team signing free agents, and I believe they didn't really go out and sign a ton Stair Smith probably being their biggest money one. I, I just didn't think this was the year, but I don't know, TBD. I also wanted to share this because I thought this was funny when I did go searching for the details of Adam Thielen's restructure. The headline I found for this article was Adam Thielen's restructured deal is the latest example of the Vikings running it back. Running it back from what? That's, yeah. What are you running it back? <laughs> what are you running back? What site was that? Running back seven and ten. I'm on it. I'm on it. I'm on it. Running it back. Vikings. It was. I believe it was a fan uh, site. It was. Site. Yeah, it was a site. Yeah, that's fine. I need to see the. I need to read the lead. Wasn't very clear. There's no rebuilding happening in Minnesota, so maybe it's just yeah. maybe the headline's a little bit misleading. They're not saying like running it back. They're saying like, hey, we're not rebuilding. You know, we're not going to blow it up. Everyone wants to say run it back. Though. Yeah, that's true. Everyone wants to. This is from Gator D-Mac. Are there teams that should go after Nicoe Dean in the first based on scheme fit? So I said he's not a fit for everybody in terms of what they're looking for. But for most defenses, he could play Mike line, middle linebacker. He could play weak side linebacker. I don't think he's – while he's undersized, he's not – he doesn't lack the physicality you would normally expect from like a middle linebacker. So I'm not – 
particularly it's just more teams who covet bigger linebackers to begin with so i'm not sure there's a particular scheme or whatnot that he's better for because he is so instinctive and he is so talented so teams i'd highlight as potential landing spots in the first round philly dallas detroit to me be the three that made the most make the most sense i, I can't see i also can't see a ton of teams towards the back end of the first round going that route. That's why I had him dropping out of the first round altogether because could see Detroit at thirty-two. Yeah, that's what. So those three teams, I would highlight as landing spots if he does go in the first. Nerds like beer too. What should the Falcons do in the draft? What can Kansas State do to run it back? No, no, it's to get back to the top of the Big Twelve. Quinn deserves a raise. I agree. Quinn deserves a raise. Thank Quinn, you. Quinn deserves a raise. What can Kansas State do to get it back? to run it back in the Big 12? And what should the Falcons do in the draft? I've been banging the table for either Sauce Gardner or Derek Stingley to the Falcons. Pair him with AJ Trail. Pair them with AJ Trail. Either one. Either will do. And you're Gucci. Your money. That's a, that's a sick cornerback duo for... It could be a decade if you wanted to. So that's where I'd go. Now, where will they go? Big TBD, but the wide the whole wide receiver him. need yeah. thing to me, Gardner and Stingley and even McDuffie, but I, I would highlight those two because they're they're going to be on the board and make things more sense for the Falcons defense. Gardner and Stingley are more rare, rarer, more rare. I always do that. More rare. I think it's rarer, rarer, because you get the rarest. Sounds, see, with my speech impediment though, I don't even want to say rarer. Say it again. Rarer, rarer. Uh, with those two are more rare than the wide receiver you're going to get at eight you know like drake london's of the world garrett wilson's of the world not to say they come out every year because there have been years they don't but you can find a guy like that closer to that in the second round than you can closer to stingley or gardner in the second round so that's where i'd go and then can't say to get back to the big top of the big 12 o-line baby Build up that O-line, Wisconsin method. Come O-line factory. They, they already have a pretty good track record um, in terms of guys in the NFL. It's got to continue. Yeah. And you also got to wait till Oklahoma leaves. <laughs> he goes to the SEC. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, Todd is a boy. This guy does a question every week. Get on his ass. Got to find him. He's cheating the system. Is Urban Meyer the worst head coach ever? I do like the question, though. Technically, he's not by win percentage, but by tenure and perception, perception has to be, right? Has to be. Has to be. What about Hugh Jackson, though? I pulled him up. Hugh Jackson, though, was given way too long of a leash, right? But he was, I mean, that was a clown show, too. It was. He was a clown show in Oakland, too. I mean, he was a head coach in Oakland for a bit. 205 career win percentage. 33 games under 500. And I do think the right hard knocks did, with Hugh from a perception standpoint incredible. did not help him. That was a great hard knocks. Is there... There needs to... If the Jags were on hard knocks last year, we got to see Hugh Urban Meyer just kicking the like hell out of everybody. Hughes didn't have a possible pending workplace harassment. Yeah, he wasn't a dick hands. like Urban Meyer. You know? Whereas Urban might. Urban might be costing them money and I also think I also think it matters plans. too, like Urban Meyer's expectations going in were like here yeah. everyone was like oh urban's coming into the 
Jags, we're winning Super Bowls. And we got Trevor Lawrence. Let's go. And then it just like, it was a meteor, dude. The dinosaurs were jealous at how fast this thing was coming down. It was a disaster, disaster, like literally every step of the way. Starting with like the Travis Etienne stuff. Remember when he was like taking Tebow for a couple fucking drinks of coffee mm. to see if he'd play Tebow? Tebow wasn't, doesn't even register as one of the worst cities yeah. he made. Well, he only played a handful of preseason games. Yeah. Remember when Tebow's walking down? Uh, he's walking into practice for the Jags. And he's got his gloves on already. And there was like a couple of veteran NFL players like, dude, you put your gloves on that early. You're a scrub. <laughs> Tebow just catching strays. All right. Leaders. Lead. Leaders this is from BS525. Should the Giants take an offensive tackle at five or seven? I think five. If they're going to take an offensive tackle, it's going to probably have to be five. Unless Mojo's yes. mocking this because Ike Aquanu fell to 11. Yes. Five. And I, I, I would recommend doing so as well. Because I'd be floored if either Evan Neal or Iki Kwanu or Charles Cross isn't there. So Yeah. Fair enough. Shall we get to trivia? Yes. Let's please. do trivia. So I had another idea for trivia too. Maybe not this week. But do you know so Wordle is we play Wordle. You and I play Wordle. Mm -hmm. There's a basketball version called Pertle, P-O-E-L-T-L, -E where you have to guess basketball players and they give you like a series of ways to guess basketball players now there's a football version called Weddle huh. so you guess a, you guess a player in the NFL and they give you the categories are team division position height age and nut jersey number and it'll give you like higher or lower on the jersey number higher or lower on the age it'll be yellow if you got the conference right for the division it'll be green obviously if you get the division right it'll be yellow it'll be um, green if you get the position right all that stuff team all that stuff I do think we should start playing this on the trivia when we're moving forward. Weddle? Weddle. I okay. think it could be kind of sick. I think it could be kind of sick. Not today, because I don't think Quinn has it rep ready back there. But I think moving forward, I think it could be kind of cool. Yep. I do not have that ready. I never even heard of it until just now. No, I someone sent it in the, the Slack today, in the social that Slack That could today. be sick, though. That could be fun. That could be fun. Yeah. yeah. I only have one question today. Uh, it's from our boy, Obi, ObserverMan24 on Twitter. He's always sending us questions. So Lovely. Thank you, Obi. He's no uh, perk angel, but I like him. No, but he's he rose to the occasion today. And he asks, since 2017, which colleges have had multiple players picked inside of the top 10? And I wrote down there at the bottom, 11 schools. I miscalculated. It's 10. Okay. So this is a little bit longer. This this works out. We have one, but it's gonna it might take a while. Got All it. Right. This yeah, is going to be tough. Ohio State did it. Oh, Ohio one State's year. one, yes. Bama has to be on there. Alabama's one, yes. So you got two of ten. LSU. LSU, yep, three. All right. Uh, Oklahoma had two quarterbacks go. Yep, Number four. This is tough. It's a little tough. Since 2017. Yeah, don't overthink this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we just I got mean, big, big dogs. Yeah. There's some big schools in here. I'm going to guess Texas. No, not Texas. Texas, Texas has been kind of since 2017. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I was just thinking of big schools. Georgia. Georgia, yeah. That's five. Four or five. Clemson. Clemson's in there. Clemson. Yes, sir. Well done. Um, Michigan? No. No Michigan. Go blue. Michigan. 
He has got four left. Man, this is tough. Florida? Florida's in there, yeah. Nice. Three left. Um, Any Pac-12 no, schools? Notre Dame. Yeah. Notre Dame's in there. Clay Nelson yes. and Mike McGlinchey. The two left, actually, in are Pac-12 schools. USC? No. Nerd school. Stanford? Stanford. And then Pac-12. UCLA? No. Come on. You can't just be throwing them out there. You got to have a idea. That's fair. Oh, I have, I have a guess. Oregon? Can you name it? Oregon. Yeah. That's Nailed what it. I was thinking of. I just couldn't th think of the place. Bang. That was kind of rough, the... but I'll take it. I'll take it. Appreciate the appreciate the trivia. Do you have a oh, know your co host? And DeForest Buckner? No, he was probably like 2016. Herbo man. Herbo. Oh yeah. I'm an idiot. We're dumb. <laughs> yeah, that was dumb on me. That's gonna do it for this episode, huh? Yeah. Next time we'll play Weddle. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Going to be answering every single question from Thursday, March 24, to the day one of the NFL draft. Until next time, Asa Gale, Mike Renner. Tell you.